This is an RNZ podcast. installations around Saigon waiting for buses was being It told the Vietnamese that this was the end of the line. For most of those who wanted to leave their country, this would be their last chance. That was CBS News coverage of the chaotic evacuation of the U.S. Embassy in Saigon back in 1975, with North Vietnamese forces poised to overrun the capital of what was then South Vietnam. People in the U.S. were horrified to see those ignominious images on their TVs at that time, though for some that meant the increasingly unpopular and unproductive war was finally at an end for them. Not for the Vietnamese, though. There were plenty more years of fighting ahead left for them. But while that brought down the curtain on just over 10 years of war for the US and their allies in Vietnam, the one they launched in 2001 in Afghanistan lasted almost twice as long. Back in May, the US announced that US-led NATO forces would fully withdraw from Afghanistan by the 11th of September this year, exactly 20 years on from the Twin Towers atrocity that led them there in the first place in pursuit of al-Qaeda and their allies, the Taliban. And it was back in May this year that the BBC's veteran correspondent, Lise Doucette, sat down with the US commander, General Scott Miller, and she asked him if they were preparing to abandon Afghanistan to civil war. Uh, what we've talked about is uh, you, you, you cannot hide the, uh, the emotional aspect of this, uh, but at the same time we uh, stay very focused on the things we must do uh, in accordance with our orders. You know, our obligations are uh, one to make sure our force is protected and that we're able to uh, withdraw coalition forces as safely and as orderly as possible, and at the same time, uh, ensure that we leave our Afghan security partners in a position that they're able to uh, able to pick this up and uh, and carry it on. And that's, you know, again, an obligation that we feel not just to security forces, but also to the people of Afghanistan. And after that, Lee's Doucette went on to ask General Miller flat out if they'd failed. You were one of the soldiers on the ground to topple the Taliban in 2001. It must hurt as a soldier that you're leaving and the Taliban are on the brink of returning to power, either through negotiations or the battlefield? You know, I'm not, I'm not unique in that sense. There's obviously uh, many nations with many service members that have spent a, a great deal of time in Afghanistan. And uh, if you ask them what they would uh, like as an outcome, they'd like to see this country come back together and end the decades, decades of violence. Now, New Zealand has one of those other countries that General Miller referred to there. Our last troops left quietly at that time back in May, about the same time that interview was conducted. And last weekend, well ahead of that September deadline, the US forces abandoned their bases, including the main one at Bagram outside Kabul, in the middle of the night with no warning at all, leaving behind thousands of vehicles, tons of supplies and garbage. Indeed, they left so swiftly that looters descended on the base before their Afghan partners could take it over. In the UK, ITN News reported it like this. The abandoned vehicles a sign of the hasty exit, which has seen many troops head home for the 4th of July. Only a tiny fraction will remain to the September the 11th official departure date. 20 years after its soldiers first arrived, many here feel America is giving up on this benighted country. Now that report also ran on News Hub at 6 last Tuesday here, and TVNZ's One News reported the withdrawal like this the same night. 
More than 90% of American troops are now out of Afghanistan. They evacuated under the cover of darkness, leaving Afghan troops to defend territory previously held by the Americans. The Taliban is already said to be gaining ground and issuing a warning to any remaining international forces. Here's our US correspondent, Anna Burns-Francis. It was once the operational heart of America's war on terror. Now Bagram Air Base is empty, US troops abandoning it in the dead of night. Meanwhile, in the US itself that same day, the commander-in-chief who made that call told reporters he didn't want any questions about Afghanistan, only about happy things. I'm not going to answer any more questions on Afghanistan. Look, it's 4th of July. I'm concerned that you guys are asking me questions that I'll answer next week. But I'm, this is a holiday weekend. I'm going to celebrate it. There's great things happening. I'll answer all your negative questions. Not negative, your legitimate questions. President Biden, as it happens, didn't take reporters' questions about Afghanistan this past week. But on Friday, he made a statement confirming the pullout. So let me ask those who want us to stay. How many more, how many thousands more Americans' daughters and sons were you willing to risk? How long would you have them stay? Now, that big base at Bagram was also a headquarters for New Zealand forces in Afghanistan, including members of our SAS. But after reports about the U.S.'s hasty secret withdrawal ran their course this past week, there wasn't much media attention on what happened next in Afghanistan itself. One exception, though, was World Watch on RNZ's midday report. The crisis is building in Afghanistan. Yes, well, it is. The country's fragility, I suppose you would say, is on full display right now. More than 1,000 Afghan government soldiers have, by all accounts, fled across the border with Tajikistan. Here, our Defence Minister, Pini Henare, has been quoted as saying New Zealand is keeping a close eye on the situation in Afghanistan, but his on-air comment in the news this week amounted to just these six seconds in RNZ's news bulletins. It came up uh, recently at our ASEAN Defence Ministers meeting. A number of countries raised it, but um, not in the past week we haven't. Meanwhile, National's Foreign Affairs spokesperson Jerry Brownlee did get a 16-second soundbite in RNZ's news when he said that what's happening in Afghanistan was extremely disappointing. But after all the years New Zealand contributed to the International Security Assistance Force, or ISAF for short, it is remarkable how little interest there is now in the US and NATO-led mission being folded up in time for the July the 4th holiday in the US. More than 3,500 New Zealand Defence Force personnel deployed to Afghanistan after 2001, and 10 of them died there, and the entire commitment cost more than $300 million. Journalists Nikki Hager and John Stevenson revealed a raid by their New Zealand SAS called Operation Burnham, which sparked an inquiry that ran for years and eventually concluded there may have been no wrongful civilian deaths, but a child was probably killed and the Defence Minister and the public were misled. And the media were also misled by the New Zealand Defence Force over the deadly Battle of Baghak, and journalist John Stevenson sued for defamation when the Defence Force claimed he'd made up parts of his reports from Afghanistan in order to damage his credibility. Stevenson eventually received a confidential settlement on the eve of a second trial after the first one, which cost taxpayers more than a million dollars, ended without a result. Also, there are about 3,500 people of Afghan origin living right here in New Zealand, including some of the refugees from the Tampa ship who were huge news back in 2004, and some people who worked with our defence forces there whose lives were endangered by the association with our military also live here now.
When the Prime Minister announced back in February that our last soldiers there would be coming home in May, she said their commitment to replace conflict with peace will always be remembered. But as the Taliban now create conflict in more areas that had some peace when US-led forces were there, it remains to be seen if Afghanistan is out of sight and out of mind now for our media, now that we're all gone.